Good day, everybody, and welcome back to Total Wellness Radio. This is episode 166. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Today's episode, we catch up with Eric Lindstrom. Eric, by way of a bet with his wife, has been a happy vegan for over seven years. As a result of this experience, he has authored two books. First, The Skeptical Vegan, and finally, The Smart Parent's Guide to Raising Vegan Kids. You can also plug into all of Eric's content on the YouTube series, The Skeptical Vegan. So all this and more in today's episode 166 of Total Wellness Radio. Hey, good day, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 166 of Total Wellness Radio. Today, I have with me Eric Lindstrom. Uh, Eric, did you make it on the line okay? I am here, Dan. Nice to hear from you. Hey, it's good to have you on. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. Well, not a problem at all. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun with this uh, with this platform, and we look uh, forward to having you uh, share with us uh, your background and experience and the things that... Uh, the things that have taken place for you. And uh, I know our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. This is a real interesting topic for me about folks that become vegan or, or mm-hmm. go down this path. And I'm, I'm super, I'm super excited about you sharing, you know, your story, your experience on regardless of, uh, you know, the catalyst that puts you on this path right, as far right. as natural health. So I'm, I'm really curious about how that all started. Well, it's, it's a very interesting story. And I'm one of those people who, at the time I went vegan, I was probably the most unlikely candidate for veganism. In fact, I don't even know. I don't even know if at that point I knew what vegan meant. Of course, I knew some vegetarians. I knew there were people who didn't eat meat, who would maybe abstain from drinking milk because they're lactose intolerant. But I never put it all together into one sort of diet and lifestyle change. And so here I am in my early 40s presented with an opportunity by my wife to take a 30-day vegan challenge. And to say that the day before I went vegan, I ate chicken wings wouldn't be a lie. In fact, in fact, here's when you talk about being on a wellness radio uh, podcast, um, I was the guy who at one sitting ate 68 chicken wings at wow. once. At one time, <laughs> it was an all-you-can-eat chicken wing thing. And I said, well, you didn't see me coming. And so for $6.99, I drink some beer and eat some chicken wings. So, Dan, I was at a point, you know, again, in my 40s, early 40s, thinking that I had to make some changes, right? You have to sometime reflect back on your belt, you know, your waistline, how you're feeling, whether you're winded climbing upstairs. So when there's a chance of changing things up, changing your diet, and my wife came home and and said she was going to go vegan for 30 days. And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to do it with you, thinking that at some point, she was going to break because she was addicted to cheese, as a lot of people are. <laughs> yep. So on uh, January 5th of 2012, I went to bed, um, a meat eater, an omnivore. And on January 6th, um, you know, seven years ago, I woke up vegan. And wow. I, yeah, I've been vegan ever since. So what happened was the 30 days, in the first 30 days, I felt better. Um, and you know, as, as a doctor, as someone who understands diet, any radical diet change is going to make you feel different. And so by cutting out meat, dairy, and eggs entirely for 30 days, you're going to feel better. But I felt a lot better. And so after the 30 days of clean eating, I said to my wife, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to go back to 
uh, our old ways? Am I going to go back to eating chicken wings and, and uh, gas station pizza every day? Mm. And are you going to go back to eating cheese? And uh, she said she wanted to keep going. So I said, let's make it interesting and turn it into a bet. And so I tell people <laughs> seven years later, this is the bet I refuse to lose. Um, and that's pretty honestly, the, the reason I'm still vegan today is that in the back of my mind, I want to continue this. And so with that said, within that first six months of eating whole foods and a lot more vegetables and a lot more fruit than I had ever eaten probably in the first 40 years of my life. Sure. You know, combined, um, I really started to feel great. Um, and again, um, you know, now being someone who is, uh, you know, a hundred percent vegan every day, I will tell people how much better they'll feel. And then when they visit their doctor, which was part yes. of my journey as well, part of my story, sure. um, you know, losing 30 pounds effortlessly, um, having perfect um, blood pressure, cholesterol levels, um, all of the things that you might be sort of feeling at age about, mm -hmm. I was no longer, I was no longer thinking about those things. And so that first year, while it had its struggles, it had its trials and tribulations after being vegan, you know, for six months, I guarantee to anyone, if they, if they went vegan for six months, they'd feel remarkably different. And after sure. a year, you feel so much better that it almost feels like you could never go back. And so right. in my own- Now, let me, let me, okay. let me pause you there because you've touched on some really fascinating things that I know listeners are going to want to have me ask this question. Uh -huh, First yeah. of all, you, you use the, the term effortless. Now, <laughs> um, I think effort is really kind of, it kind of equates to your commitment level, right? I mean, sure. how willing is the person to change? And there's, you know, you're talking about, somebody who's here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where people walk into their oh, exam with a bucket of chicken in their oh, hand, no. and not, you know, and beer in the other, right? And they say, oh, go ahead and test me, right? Yep. So, yep. You know, so there's a lot of uh, meat and potato lovers out there. So I'm curious if you'll just take one moment and, and address that one area about some of the things that you did, you know, 40 years as a, as a, you know, as, omnivore, as, uh, you know, omnivore, eating meat, things of that nature, eating the standard American diet, which you and I both know is sad for uh -huh. abbreviation. Uh-huh. The, 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 the things that you had to go through, the transition, the mindset, the, you know, the commitment, like some of the things that you had to embrace, because I know you're looking at it now from this angle yeah. and you feel amazing. Your numbers yeah. are great. Your doc's impressed, but I'm curious as to sharing with the listeners, Hey, what was that journey like? What kind of effort am I going to have to muster up here? Yeah. Yeah. You know what you, you, your word that I'll throw back at you that you, you hit on the, you know, the nail on the head is, is um, uh, your commitment level or um, how much. Uh, do you need to change yourself? Yeah. You know, sure. how much how much change do you need to go through or be willing to go through? So um, to just to give you an idea of um, my journey became a book. So when oh, I awesome. first went vegan, I started a blog and it was called The Meaty Vegan because, of course, I was the guy who was eating meat up until <laughs> going vegan. And so uh, The Meaty Vegan blog was meant to um, show how I was going to survive how this wasn't going to work. It was supposed to be uh, the blog about how much I didn't like going vegan. And that's how it did start. I mean, I was the reluctant vegan for a long time. <laughs> and um, that blog ultimately uh, was discovered by a New York City publisher who offered me a book deal um, based on my story. And that became The Skeptical Vegan. That was, uh, it came out two years ago. Okay. And so okay. the reason I mentioned that is in the book, The Skeptical Vegan, I talk about that first month or two of, 
I'm not making this up either of dropping <laughs> of dropping friends. You know, oh, all wow. of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, I had this I had this friend that he and I would go out to lunch uh, once a week over chicken wings. And again, it sounds like I'm obsessed with chicken wings, and I was, <laughs> but but it was one of those things where all of a sudden we lost something in common, and I had to be willing to kind of move on and accept that a little bit. Um, I also, in the first month, went on a business trip to um, uh, Minneapolis. And this was before Minneapolis was even uh, starting to think about some of the cool vegan spots that they have now. But I went out to a, a steakhouse with a bunch of construction guys. I was working for a timber frame company. And it was me and eight guys with their Carhartt jackets on going to a <laughs> Minneapolis steakhouse. And I had to order salad. And, and so there, when you talk about what level of commitment or how much of a lifestyle change was it, it couldn't be more better represented than that moment in time because the first time the salad came, it was covered in bacon and cheese <laughs> because they just assumed that's how you had to eat salad. And so sure. I said, well, I, I don't eat meat because I was a new vegan and it came back with cheese on it. And I was like, oh, I also don't eat cheese. And so they ended up coming back with like a bowl of lettuce and I ate some bread <laughs> and I'm watching these guys and I'm not kidding you. I'm like, I'm now watching these guys eating these beautifully prepared steaks that were cooked, you know, pencil Pittsburgh rare, which was how I used to eat my steaks wow. um, while I was sitting there eating, you know, what, what some people would call rabbit food at that point. So don't you, so, yeah. Don't you get tired of being say you didn't get very far up the food chain. If yeah, you're right, like a exactly, rabbit, right? Exactly. So that's a big part of it is that going through your own, uh, you know, taking a sort of stock in, in yourself and being able to, uh, kind of stand up for yourself and and go out on a limb and really dig your heels in about I've got to stick to this I've got to give it a, a, a yeah. solid effort sure. and on that same trip I stood over a, a breakfast bar that had uh, biscuits and gravy which is was one of my favorites and um, you know these are all moments that you know toward my journey led me to where I am today and also ultimately not caving in not giving up uh on, on this effort and sure. and it paying off so much in the future to the extent that I make all of those same meals now, but in their vegan version. And so yeah. things yeah. have come so far with, um, you know, vegan and plant-based foods yes. that um, you can get whatever you want pretty much uh, prepared, uh, made out of plants. Yeah. One of the things that we try and make sure and people are aware of is that nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And that's exactly what you're describing. It really is, you know, and it, it's true. And, and how much, how far down a path do you need to go before you decide you got to turn around? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, how much, mean, how much meat and cheese can you possibly consume before you realize that's probably not a great idea? Yeah. You know, we see it all the time. And, and I, 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 I'm very blessed. I get to do a lot of classes across the country. I'm, I'm traveling like today. I leave at three o'clock to to go up the road about five hours and do a, a night and, and, and tomorrow class on you know, basic nutrition, things of that nature. And I get invited to come and educate people. And so it's so amazing. But people ask me, it's like, well, what do you, what have, you know, what makes me ready to do this? And it's like, you know, the number one motivator for people to change their health is ill health. I mean, that's really, oh, yeah. it's so unfortunately, true. we just, you know, we see that happen all the time as practitioners. And we wish it wasn't that way. But it just is the number one motivator, the biggest, you know, spokesperson for going and following in a path that you've gotten for yourself and your family or 
or, or coming to a clinic like ours is that uh, unfortunately they, they're, fe- they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, exactly. So. It's a great way to put it. Yep. How is your, uh, how is the rest of your, and I love my, my, uh, my podcast notes here. It's like grew up in a <laughs> oh, <no>. eating <laughs> Italian family. How's the rest of your Italian family doing with all this? Oh my seven gosh. Years later. Yeah. Well, you know, it took again a while for them to accept this. Certain family members are just wildly accepting and they're, <laughs> And they're like, oh, I left this out of the, I left the, um, the pork bone out of the marinara for you, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> where they were cooking, they, they were cooking their way for so long. They hadn't even stopped to realize how much butter they were putting into something, for example. So some family members um, embraced it and would set aside, you know, for s- some holidays, certain foods that they knew were vegan and realizing how many foods are actually vegan just naturally, that they're just a vegan food. Um, and so th- there's acceptance on one side, and then there's also resistance on the other side, where um, some family members would refuse to not have meat during an event, you know, um, to center their plate around, um, you know, a, a dead animal, for lack of a better term. And so, you know, maybe we don't want to be a part of that as often. So there's a, it's a two way street. So my mom would always say, which is kind of like hilarious. From my perspective, and again, Dan, you sort of um, you, you encapsulated where I am right now. I've, I'm so far along that I, I can't remember where I was. Sure. But but when I go to her house, she'll have vegan food for me. And so she said, wouldn't that make sense if I come to your house that you would have meat for me? I'm like, <laughs> well, not really. Not you know, really. like we're. Yeah. <laughs> but you see her point. Sure. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah, she's thinking I, I'm making compromises. I'm making things for you. Shouldn't you make things for me? So. There's always going to be that um, tension. And the, and the hardest part, to be honest with you, yeah. are when I hear people whose households are torn. Sure. And that's where we're very lucky. Uh, my wife and I going vegan at the same time and then raising vegan kids, which was the subject of my second book. Um, after the Skeptical Vegan came out, the publisher approached me with an idea to uh, make a book about raising vegan kids because we are in fact raising two vegan kids. Wow. So we're a household of four that, you know, thrives and survives off of vegan and plant-based foods. And we're, you know, we're perfectly healthy. So we're not even trying to prove a point at this point. Sure. We're just living our lives. Absolutely. we're, We're sitting down and eating a big bowl of spaghetti with marinara and, and garlic bread, you know, all of the things that salads, all the things that you used to eat, um, we're just eating the vegan counterpart. Yep. And it's amazing how far that's come, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It's absolutely incredible. There's, I mean, with the, the news this week that um, Burger King is trialing the vegan burgers in St. Louis, 58 St. Louis locations are going to have Whoppers that are 100% vegan that Whopper lovers can't tell the difference. Uh-huh. Um, that's absolutely incredible. The food technology is so amazing because um, the planet can't sustain um, you know, the, gro- the human population growth uh, from a nutrition and, and uh, food perspective. And so yeah. we've got to do something because we can't keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. And so by being able to create lab-grown foods that taste and, and act and are just what you're used to, you, we may be able to slow down some of the degradation of the, the environment. Yeah, we've got to, you know, it's interesting that you touch on that because here just a few weeks ago, I was giving this a lot of thought and me and another practitioner were talking. He was telling me about the fact that we do, you know, as a, as a, 
a global concern. We are facing things like global warming. We are facing things like the, you know, the resource problems and things of that nature. But we have a problem that's been going on for a long time and that we all live on a planet where we're approaching 8 billion people um, on a planet that can you know, affordably sustain about <laughs> half of that. I know. You know? So we got, that's a problem that's in our faces right now. I know, I know. And that's, not, and that's not even like being alarmist. And that's not like rattling a, a, a can around saying uh, climate change. Yep. That's just a fact. That's a fact. That's a, yeah, there's, just, there's just simply too many people on this blue marble floating in space uh, to be sustainable, to be able to not uh, just tear the complete surface off of this beautiful gift I that we're, we're living on. Um, and, and without making some changes, um, we're, we're all, you know, there's that, there's a 12 year window right now that a lot of people are talking about climate, you know, climate scientists are talking about if uh, we don't do something in the next 12 years, year 13 is going to be, is going to be the start of something really ugly. Yeah. Well, and we're also seeing, you know, from the standpoint of uh, geneticists and gerontologists and the study of longevity, uh, oh, we, yeah, we're, right. we're seeing, uh, <laughs> I know this is, I mean, it's, you laugh because, you know, you've positioned to survive this. You're getting your kids I know, right? raised <laughs> exactly. properly. We're going to see, we're going to start seeing generations of children that do not live past their parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. the next, that's the next trend. And uh, we're seeing, we're seeing clinically, and this was, this started, I started seeing this wow. about 10 to 12 years ago. We're seeing kids, kids coming to the clinic at age 14 diagnosed with congestive heart failure that's an old person's oh, disease dan you are absolutely breaking my heart here because heart not i mean pun intended right but, um you may may or may not know the name dr gregor but he's one of the sort of leading whole foods plant-based doctors who he wrote the book how not to die and one of his big things is that there are kids on the standard american diet at age 10 who are starting to form um, uh, you know, ar their, their arteries yep. are starting to, to clog at 10 years of age. Yep. Yep. And so now just keep loading them up with more standard American diet and cheeses and maybe fast foods and maybe chicken nuggets. I don't know. I'm not trying to judge other people's, you know, diets or ways they raise kids because sure. it's how I was raised anyway. Sure. But, but when I sit down and, and my kids, you know, are happy, as happy to eat a bowl of broccoli as I used to be to eat a bowl of <laughs> marshmallows or whatever <laughs> i'm very happy about that absolutely you know absolutely. i i do feel like i do feel like that you know i'm actually i'm turning 52 tomorrow so my birthday is tomorrow hey. april 6th i don't know when this will air but april 6th i turn 52 and i actually think i'm i'm now at mid-age yes like i can live to 104 100%. i plan to live to exactly 100 percent. right I've, we i've done enough yeah i've done enough damage in the first half that i'm gonna do enough repair in the second half so i do i'm very hopeful i'm just hoping for that yeah you got to go for the centurion club man you got to do it yeah exactly yep that's awesome so share with me i mean you got two books under your belt now you got an awesome youtube series the skeptical vegan yep. what other things do you find to be most exciting about your your the career you're on now with with this with this path and being a vegan? well you know, I, without without going too far away from the wellness side of, of your podcast and know that my whole background in um, marketing, which is what I do professionally, was with the whole foods, plant-based um, doctors that, you know, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who wrote the China study, and then his, his son, Tom Campbell, and Dr. Gregor, and Dr. Esselstyn, and Dr. Bernard, all of these leading guys, these plant, you know, plant-based whole food uh, doctors. That's where I got started in my sort of marketing career. And then it 
turned as a lot of uh, people's vegan journeys turned into more uh, vegan for the animals, becoming mm-hmm. an ethical vegan, mm-hmm. which allows me, by the way, to eat more vegan junk food, <laughs> which isn't a great thing, but I can, I can excuse myself because I'm not doing it necessarily for health at that point. I'm doing it because uh, it's a vegan food and I really want to try it. So yeah. um, I still think my diet's better. It's definitely better than it used to be. Um, but I do, I do indulge now and again on some of these amazing uh, new products that come out. Yeah. So what's exciting for me right now is, um, you know, I work as the director of marketing for uh, Compassion Over Killing, which is a, a DC, Washington, DC based animal protection agency. So our work is to not only help expose the truth about animal agriculture, mm-hmm. uh, all of what we're talking about from a, from a planet perspective, mm-hmm. Uh, but also from a health perspective, convincing people and showing them great recipes. Uh, and then, of course, for the animals. So I do I do. I'm one of those fortunate people that gets to come into their work every day doing something that uh, I feel is part of my life mission. I'm making a difference in uh, a million lives, you know, whether they're human lives or animal lives. So I'm very fortunate there. And then more a little bit more recreationally and, and for fun. Um, I do produce and direct uh, and host the Skeptical Vegan on, on YouTube, which is just incredibly fun. I'm writing all these amazing skits now. We're doing some <laughs> really funny, funny, uh, self-deprecating humor kind of things about veganism. Uh, so there's that. And then there might be a third book. I just don't have time right now with, with the two kids. But um, yeah, I, I like I, I was always a creative person. Yeah, um, I was born a cartoonist, sort of raised an artist and graphic designer. And that stemmed into a career in advertising and marketing. And so I love doing that. This is, you know, what I do every day is get, you know, people's attention. I tell them messaging about whatever it is that we're talking about. And that gives me great satisfaction. So on that front, I'm very, very lucky. Um, I live in a beautiful part of the country in the middle of New York state and the Finger Lakes region. So it's very nice. Uh, spring is coming. And yeah, I just, every day I get to uh, do something wonderful for the animals. That's so great. Now, what do you find to be the most challenging aspect? What's the flip side of that? <laughs> you know, I, um, I, I take these parenting courses um, to just keep um, on top of the latest sort of um, uh, teachings and, and strategies for parenting. And they asked what was the one word that was sort of uh, missing right now in the family setting. And, and to me, it's balance. Mm. I find the most challenging thing. People talk about things like work-life balance. Yeah. And I don't even know what that means. Anymore. Me neither. Um, yeah. So I think, I think balance is the one thing I find the most challenging. And yeah. I'm hoping, you know, I hope soon, you know, in a year or two or however long when the kids get a little bit old, they're still young. Right. Um, I'll start to feel balanced again. And I'll feel like there's balance in the family because uh, again, now back to the wellness aspect of, of uh, what we're talking about here, that's as important, you know, stretching, stretching exercises, and then working and relaxing your brain muscle is so important. Yeah. You know, no, people don't spend enough time doing that, really centering themselves and feeling relaxed yep. and taking time and not being stressed out about whether it's a work deadline or a work project or a deadline for, you know, a word count for a book or whatever. I've gotten myself up to such a level of sort of activity that I want to really get back to more of a level of 
relaxation and start enjoying things again. You know, you touched on some really th- some things that are very near and dear to my heart, and I have to share this with you because it's based on perspective, right? I think that uh-huh. this work-life balance thing, the reason people struggle with it so much is because they're using the wrong terminology. Okay. For me, December 1st, 1997 was the turning point in my life where I stopped producing, stopped trying to pursue a work-life balance and I pursue on a daily basis work-life harmony. Uh-huh. When, you, when I shift my perspective, I think we'll realize that, you know what, we're actually achieving a lot more of that than we really give ourselves credit for. Yeah, yeah. So I, I threw the word balance out of my vocabulary 20 years ago. And I start, you know, when, I, when I'm in harmony with myself, the people around me, my clients, the environment, you know, those are the things. And then, yes, it takes effort and it's a constant. But you know what? Consistency always trumps perfection, right? I mean, so, yeah. so I just consistently pursue, you know, pursue that work-life harmony. And man, I'll tell you, joy and happiness and the serenity on the inside is achieved. At least that's been my yeah. experience. So, Well, that's, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And I appreciate that. And I need to think that way myself more often because part of this is I wonder how many times I actually was relaxed. Sure. And and in harmony and not appreciating it. Yeah. Like because all of a sudden I whipped myself back up into a frenzy. <laughs> so yeah, we get get so swept up in our projects. So we get so swept up in work and and family life that um I like you're you're right. We gotta we gotta harmonize all of that and just realize that uh it's all good, right? Yeah. We have our health. We have Absolutely. our health and yeah, so it's Absolutely. it's so important. So you mentioned some doctors earlier, and I love, I'm a real give credit where credit's due kind of guy. You mentioned the China study. Did I hear you right? Did you mention Caldwell Esselstein? That's right. Yeah. Yep. I got to share with you a quick story. You're going to love this, Eric. About 12 years ago, I'm in my office. I call him up because I get his, uh, I get his uh, audio on his uh, study that he did with all of the cardiovascular um, yep. challenges that people faced in the, you know, the Cleveland Clinic, Cleveland, Ohio. And for listeners, if you're not aware, Caldwell Esselstein's amazing. Um, yeah. His studies in, in human trials and, and, and human performance and diet in terms of reversing and interrupting and preventing and, and eradicating cardiovascular illness uh, in the human body is absolutely unprecedented. He, at the time, Cleveland Clinic was actually listed as the fourth leading clinic in the country. Um, and I called the number on the, on the audio and lo and behold, Caldwell answered. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we got to talk, and he says, oh, Dan, you got to come out here. We're starting a new study. you got to come join us. I'm like, Caldwell, I'm in, you're in Cleveland, dude. I'm in Wyoming. <laughs> i got <laughs> a clinic. Amazing. <laughs> so That's amazing. I figured amazing. You'd, um, you'd probably get a kick out of that. But along those lines, I'd really like it if you'd take a minute or two and just really share, you know, give some kudos to those people, the credit to those yeah. that have influenced you uh, in the last seven years on this journey. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I can say it all started with uh, – Dr. T. Colin Campbell, who actually Caldwell is just turned 85, by yes. the way, and so did so did Colin. Um, Colin. T. Colin Campbell lives here in Ithaca, New York. He's from Cornell. He's a professor emeritus, and uh, he's the one who wrote the China study, where you know he proved that these villages in China had uh, lower instances of heart disease and yes. ca- cancer, and he was comparing their diet to the standard American diet, and, and specifically. Uh, Colin T. Colin Campbell will talk about dairy. He'll tell you the one. He'll be the one to say that casein in dairy is the leading fuel yep. for cancer growth. Yep. And so um, it turns out because Colin and I live in the same town, uh, we've had we have dinner together frequently. 
Um, I've done some work for his foundation. He also has an online course. There's a, a plant-based nutrition certificate course through eCornell that he's, um, he's spearheaded. So it turns out Colin Candle has a couple of sons, Tom Candle, who's a plant-based doctor in Rochester, New York. Uh, and then Nelson Campbell, who produced the film Plant Pure Nation, um, which was co-produced by the guy who did Forks Over Knives. Okay. And so I started to get into that little group. Um, meanwhile, uh, there's another uh, organization out of Atlanta uh, called Remedy Food Project. And that's headed by a guy named Benji Kurtz, who lost 120 pounds on a plant-based diet uh, and turned it into a speaker's series where he travels the country and, and showcases people like Caldwell Esselstyn, Rip Esselstyn, all of the Esselstyns who are just amazing speakers too, by yes. the way. Yes, they are. Um, and then through there, I got to meet um, Dr. Greger, who is absolutely incredible. Go to nutritionfacts.org and type in any subject that you have a question about. And yes. he has done all the peer reviews, uh, documents, and, and, and turned them into a video, a highly entertaining video. And so that's Dr. Greger. And then uh, Neil Bernard is out of Washington, D.C. for the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, Dr. Garth Davis. All of these guys who have written these incredible books, who have proven, as you say, um, the benefits of a plant-based diet um, are all how I was fully convinced, and I still am, that I'm doing the right thing. Sure. That, that I don't need to further uh, risk it. You know, like there are people who... I know this guy who I think I mentioned in my book who his father had a massive stroke uh, and through all of that, this younger guy who's, you know, closer to my age was prescribed one of those pills that would keep his arteries wide open no matter what he ate. Mm. And so he was saying, isn't this wonderful? I can take this pill for the rest of my life and continue to eat steak and eggs and cheese. And I'm thinking to myself, instead of just not eating steak and cheese, right. like, why wouldn't you just change your diet instead of risking it? Sure. And so, you know, I think that knowing what I know, reading what I've read, um, you know, seeing a lot of the films and then meeting these people in, in real life and watching them talk. Yeah. Um, I'm absolutely sure I've nipped in the bud a lot of possible uh, health complications. And we'll see. I mean, let's sure. let's do a follow up to this podcast in 20 years. Right. Um, and then you can say, hey, how are you feeling? And yeah. if, if at 72, I feel fantastic, then I know I've made the right decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, the, the guys that influenced my career 20 years ago when I first started in 1974, actually, is when my father started studying herbs, herbology, you know, herbal, oh, yeah. plant-based, plant-based remedies that are, are they're nutritional as well as medicinal. That's why plants are so effective. In the oh, my body. gosh. Incredible. Yeah. You know, so he became a master herbalist, which really kicked it off. And, and why we do what we do today. I mean, your, your, your experience was a bet with your wife, which, by the way, you never did tell me if, what, if you lose that bet, what the bet was. But that's okay. <laughs> well, that's the really funny part. We should save that punchline for the end of the podcast. <laughs> okay. I'll call you back. All right. <laughs> anyways, anyways uh, you know, and so, and, and so what happened was why we developed the clinic was not to have a clinic. We developed it to, because my dad started studying ways that he could protect himself and his family. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't join the, you know, the bandwagon until 1983, 84, when I, be, you know, started going through my naturopathic studies and things of that nature. So what happened is we were studying with well, the guys that influenced us were people like people like Jack Lane, right? Who was the first oh, guy yeah, on television, yeah. <laughs> right? So I'm kind of dating myself a little bit here, but I mean, you, you know, he was the first guy in tights and black and white on television doing uh, exercise and he was doing smoothies and doing, you know, all the fruits and veggies and, uh, 
you know, his. I, I think his, he's still healthy, though, right? Well, he passed away eventually, but yeah. uh, he was extremely active and extremely productive until the day he died. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's what I want. I mean, who wants to live the last 20 years or 10 years or five years in, in decrepitude in, a, in assisted living yeah, in exactly. a medically induced coma, right? Or whatever. Yeah, so, right. so, you know, Bernard Jensen, people of that nature, Paul Braggs, who died at 96 surfing with a full head of hair with his girlfriend who played Ellie Mae Clampett on the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> uh, and she was 18. That was kind of cool. I mean, you know, so we got we got we got a lot of things to live up to, Eric. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm 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 up for it, you know. And Dan, I didn't know how um how we would if we would relate, and it sounds like we do. It sounds yes. like we would be best buds if we were living in the same town. Absolutely, but sometimes We'd be I get on, exactly, yeah, right, and feeling great. Um, but sometimes I get on these podcasts with um people who are yogis and people who are so unlike me that I have a hard time relating to. Sure, them. sure. And so. I do feel I do feel this every day that I need to be more athletic. I need to be more active. I need to take that next step. Yeah. And and to me, I feel like that is the next step. And it's never too late to take that step either. No, so, it's not. You know, I've I've been on a on a vegan diet for seven years. I've had all of the best doctor's visits I've ever had. I've, yep. You know, I've never felt better. Yep. But I do think I do feel like that the next thing. I need to do is just grab a hold of that, um, you know, longer walks and some light running or whatever it is yeah. that I can do to, to just really ramp it up one more step because sure. you want to feel great. Yeah. You want to feel great when you don't want to be, as you were saying, in a nursing home with a, with a tray full of uh, yeah. medications. You know, you. there's a, there's a podcast. I'll have to, when we get uh, done, I'll, uh, I'll call you back, but I'll, I'll get you the, the podcast. We'll search it out. But Aaron and Dusty, uh, did a they did a podcast with us uh, some months ago and their th their three approach steps are to what you eat how you move and how you rest and man was it so simple so yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll turn yeah. you on to that one too so so what are awesome. some of your other goals for the future for this i mean i know you're in marketing you're working with some of the best people on the planet to uh, really you know the ethical treatment of animals and you got a lot on your plate what are some yeah. of the other goals you you see yourself involved with in the future well, to me, it's a lot now about the next generation. It's about um, my own kids, you know, making sure that they're um, well fed, making sure that they're well guided and, um, uh, you know, nu nu uh, nutritionally uh, sure. balanced. And then there's, there's a generation above them. There's, you know, younger people that are in, in high school and middle school and on through college because that next generation um, is going to really uh, mold the future of humankind. There's, it's their, I, I hate to put it on them, it's their responsibility to really uh, embrace uh, the new norm sure. and, and the, new, sure. the new truths about all of this. So I think for me, it's reaching into those pockets of people and empowering them and exciting them, um, entertaining them if that's what you know, it sure. takes, writing, writing things that they're going to read so that they understand uh, the importance of their own yes. health, their own well, and that there's something they because... can do about it. Exactly. I mean, yes. there's so right. many like... amazing things that I, you know, I was interviewing a guy the other day, and he and I didn't kind of see eye to eye in terms of the term of challenge versus effort. He tried to tell me that challenge and effort are the same thing, and my attitude is absolutely not. They're totally different because if you're not yeah. doing anything differently 
change is going to happen automatically just through the course of time, stress, diet, lifestyle. If you don't do anything, if you don't change anything, change is going to happen automatically and it's going to get worse. Yeah, it right, takes right. effort to have that change, to influence that change, to be positive. You have to put forth the effort. And so yeah. many people are crippled from fear of thinking that there's nothing they can do to have positive influence on change through based on effort in their life that they'll just be consistent well, with it. One of the biggest challenges in reaching young people, as you know, because we were both young people at one point, is that you think you are invincible and yep. you don't think you need to make any decisions in your 20s yeah. that are going to affect you. If someone, you know, 20 years ago had told me, here's why you should do this. I don't know if I would listen. And so that's my challenge. And when you talk sure. about what, you know, what I'm challenged by or what I'm looking forward to is yep. figuring out ways to reach into them and say, do it now. You'll thank me later. Um, you're, you're going to, you're, you'll prosper. It's, it's well worth it. This is the perfect segue into one of my uh, second to last questions. I want to make sure and get an answer to what's the number one thing Eric, that you want to say right now that you want to make sure our listeners hear? Go vegan. <laughs> it's, so, it's so cliche. Oh, my Keep God. Keep it simple. <laughs> Keep it simple. Every time I sign a book, I, I write inside hashtag go vegan. I just put the hashtag there as like a little nod to social media <laughs> and it's a joke. But it really is. Um, it's sort of my mantra. Um, I would love to uh, in inspire people, encourage them. Uh, show them that anyone can do it at any age and that you it's not at all a sacrifice. In fact, sure. it's the opposite of a sacrifice. It's a joy to do it. So yeah. um, it really is. It's, it's go vegan, try vegan, uh, do meatless Mondays, do something where you're actually paying attention to what you're yep. putting in your body. Yep. As we get ready to wrap this up again, Eric, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking time. It's been great with you today. I super appreciate you and your time and what you're about and what you're up to. Can you uh, please uh, share with our listeners uh, the best way that they could get in touch with you? Yep. Well, um, the skepticalvegan.com. Uh, we'll talk about both the books and there's a link to the YouTube channel there. Uh, I would love for anyone who hears this to follow me on all social media, including uh, Twitter and Instagram, which is the skeptical V. And the reason why, again, Dan, is I want to show anyone uh, a, a real life example of someone who went vegan later in life and who is loving it because gotcha. you can do it anyone can do it and uh the only regret vegans have is that they didn't do it sooner that's amazing eric again i can't thank you enough my friend let's make sure and do this again right yeah i would love to it's been fun absolutely man. it's been a lot of fun so for eric lindstrom this is dan young thank you so much again all of you who listen in who share our podcast and who contribute to the ongoing success of health and wellness thank you for tuning in to episode 166 on total wellness radio Well, that'll do it for this episode of Total Wellness Radio. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day. If you are a natural health practitioner and want more information about how to maximize your impact in your community and develop the practice of your dreams, be sure and check out our mentorship page, Mentorship Blueprint on Facebook, and you can contact us at practice.blueprint at gmail.com for more information. Until next time, have a great day.